0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.
2: And we are live, everybody, from the beautiful post office. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, who his win-loss record has improved because he just beat traffic to get here congratulations way that might have been the quickest that i've ever
0: come from getting through your door to plugging all this shit in setting all the
2: stuff up on my computer and going live where your god damn. your body language i am fluent in and i know to just shut up and let way just deal with what he's dealing with i have in my head i just realized how much of a chatterbox i can be and i just edit myself to be oh. like wait till he's done he doesn't
0: want to hear me talk save right it for now. The, save it for the air. <laughs> but no, you also don't understand because like you have street parking at your house. Oh, and it's I, the worst. I, I usually my have, street is awful. I usually have incredible luck finding a free spot anytime yeah. I have to be here. Not good today. But like today of all days, I go around one time. I couldn't oh. find one, so I go through. I have to like circle back, right? Because it's a one way. Yeah, it's terrible. And then like like I see a spot at the end of the road, which is pretty far. So like you know how when you're driving, I'm like, I'm gonna take my chances that there's gonna be a closer spot up closer and then there wasn't so i was like oh shit i gotta go back to get that farther spot i go back somebody took that farther spot oh dude it's it's war out there now there's nothing and then so i had to like park all the way out there and of course after i parked like on the other side of the street i walk back and there's a spot wide open in front of your
2: house in the time that it took me to like it's such a it's such a frustrating street there's the combination as way said it's a one way so if you don't find that spot or someone's trailing you And that's another problem to try and parallel park and someone's on your ass. And then it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a frustrating street. Usually there's a spot, but there's times I've done do like three, four laps. And it's just, I'm yelling in my car alone (sighs) as I'm trying to find a spot. So I just don't drive now, but I'm glad you, I'm glad you made it. Uh, way is like furiously like telling me that he's, he's stuck in traffic. And then I'm going back. Uh, complaining about my grammar and my text to him he's just like shut up i'm don't (laughs)
0: care i have no idea what you're (laughs) talking about i was just i
2: wrote if you're late you're late and i used the proper use of you are but then immediately after the incorrect
0: version i wasn't i I wasn't completely sure i i I wanted to have a comeback but i didn't want to also text and drive no, absolutely. So, I don't I don't encourage that at I was all. I avoiding that. Uh, Welcome
2: to the Hangout, everybody. Yeah. Thank you. This is, uh, this is what goes on uh, in the moments leading up, and we just let you all in on it. Um, cool. All of you that are tuning in live, we look forward to hearing from you. We will be opening up the phone calls later on in the show. We have lots to get to. We're going to share our thoughts on NXT. We've got week three numbers to go through once they mm-hmm. drop in about an hour or so. Plus, we have a guest on today's show. We are going to be joined by... Uh, boxing commentator, analyst, Corey Erdman, a uh, former colleague of ours at the Fight Network. Uh, we scheduled to have him on to chat about the Tyson Fury angle in WWE, kind of looking at it. Where is this valuable to WWE? What does Tyson Fury get out of this? What has been the boxing community's response to this? Uh, but in light of that, uh, we certainly are going to talk to Corey about the passing. A real tragic story involving boxer Patrick Day, who was involved in a fight on Saturday in Chicago that Corey was calling ringside for, and you're probably very familiar about this boxer's name because he died on Wednesday. So we will uh, talk with Corey about that as well. It's one of those stories where you certainly take a step away from the sport and just look at um, some of the harsh realities, and that extends to mixed martial arts, uh, professional wrestling in, in a different, more controlled sense, but one where... Um, it, it's sometimes very difficult to look at. So uh, we're looking forward to having Corey on the show, but obviously not under the uh, the greatest of circumstances and something very difficult, I can only imagine, for him having to be there ringside as this knockout occurred. Uh, plus, we will be going through all the latest news, and I guess we can start off with what to me is the biggest story uh, today, and that is the purchase of Stardom by Road, the parent company of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And Stardom is going to be absorbed under Bushi Road. And they are going to be operated under a subsidiary company uh, of Kicks Road, which also operates a kickboxing company in Japan. And, you know, they held a press conference late Wednesday night in the U.S. and Canada, early Thursday morning in Japan, going over a lot of these details, the keys being that... Uh, All wrestlers are going to be put under contract. There is going to be television for stardom in January. Um, Small deals, but nonetheless, television exposure for them. They're pretty adamant that it's going to be kind of business as usual, which is what you always hear in these kinds of situations. But I think in this case, there's a lot of merit to that because in a lot of purchases, when you see a larger, uh, a big company absorb someone smaller, you expect a lot of redundancy and changes that are going to occur. For me, I really don't see that with with Stardom here. There is not anything that they can do to replicate what Stardom provides and vice versa. That you're hoping, if you're optimistic, that this is going to be added muscle behind Stardom and hopefully get them uh, more stable and out to a wider audience. So at first blush, I think this is a positive for Stardom to have a company the level of Bushy Road operating them now.
0: I think so, too. I think so, too. I mean, excuse me. But you know, like, stardom to me is like a promotion that that's really been on the cusp of like a a, a, a much you know reaching its ne- next level. And what exactly does that mean? You know, for I would say a relatively niche product, but fairly niche, fairly niche. But you know, I would still say I think it could probably have a wide. A far wider reach than it currently has, you know, being stuck on stardom world. And really, you know, I hear you and WH talk about a lot of these shows on post-pro res, and I hear other people talk about these. Obviously, we we know uh you know Kairi Sane, Yoshi Rai, names that have come out of stardom that have kind of reached a wider audience. But I think stardom itself there's a great demand
2: look at the reaction that it received in uh uh in that new jersey show that it did this past wrestlemania i think it's a very easy product to latch onto. i think they do a very good job with stardom world which they have said stardom world will stay as is this is not a case of them uh amalgamating the product that this is not going to be on new japan world there's no sign of any crossover between the two these will be separate entities but obviously there's that option down the road that you know to feature a major stardom match you could do that on a new japan show if you get to that stage you could also piggyback off major new japan events so you have a stardom show that weekend as well there's certainly opportunities there that would make strategic sense but it seems like they are going to be uh, completely separate at this point and added to that is sort of just um looking at their their big plans beyond this year um this began about a year ago it yahoo japan had an article on this uh prior to the press conference that the deal got completed uh in august between the two sides and uh, takaki kidani who is the president of bushi road believing that they can increase their revenue it's about two million dollars a year up to 10 over the next five years two million uh, american two, <laughs> two million american yeah. yes okay. uh whatever the equivalent is in, in yen um that's what they believe in. So that yeah. tells you the perspective of what stardom is. Yeah. Like, Very granted, small. it's it's ridiculous to compare to WWE, but they are making that, like, in, like, not even, they're an, making more an than that for an of episode Raw. of Raw. Like, yeah. that's the comparison of what stardom makes in a year. Yeah. But they plan to run uh, 14 events at Corcoon Hall next year, including back to back nights in August, mm-hmm. major 10th anniversary show in 2021. So I think that's more or less a signal that stardom is not changing. We have long-term plans, and this is all going to stay in place. And there's some stability for all these performers will have contracts, which I think is a positive for the talent.
0: For sure. And I think with, with what's been happening in the UK, I, I feel like now more than ever i i think people see the benefit of having maybe more of a separation and and more of a focus with the people up top focusing on one specific promotion rather rather than you know let's say new japan pro wrestling taking over head, their head office taking over both promotions and you know essentially maybe watering down what has made stardom so successful up until this point so uh i i hope this means that it it'll achieve a wider audience and that it'll make it more accessible I don't exactly know how I feel about you know the fact that they they're saying like you know Stardom World is going to to stay uh, I guess on, as its own platform. I have no issues with that. I I would love it though if there was some type of maybe like discount deal bundle package that you might have for existing New Japan uh, New Japan World uh, audiences to
2: perhaps give Stardom a try. Something to expand that net. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, you know, with New Japan, of course, it is uh, run with. with- tv asahi so you you have that dynamic to it that this is ntv now yeah so you do have that kind of a conflict there but you know from like a big picture perspective like the idea of having both under the same bushy road ownership Mm -hmm. you would hope that you could make it easier to access stardom as someone that doesn't have stardom world what do you think are some steps that would gain your interest um to to watch the product is there is it just simply finding the time to watch it or are there things uh, that to Stardom be quite do? honest
0: with you, the best thing that I think Stardom ever had for somebody like me was that episode of The Wrestlers that Damian Abraham produced it. What a great introduction to, you know, the – I think the – the, the the philosophy behind the promotion and, and really some of the characters behind the promotion I, I I really do feel like that type of documentary work in addition of course to having great wrestling uh you know uh like big tournaments that might be a great time to to catch people up to speed that type of a, a product I think is is almost essential in trying to grab a new audience
2: I think Stardom World they do a great job with the, subtitling the promos in English making it very easy to follow English commentary might be a goal to have on Stardom World. Mm-hmm. W. H. Park and Jojo Remy. I mean, there, there, there's multiple options. Yes, but it's my pipe dream that W. H. Park calling Japanese wrestling. I think would just, but as W. H. Park, I don't want him like trying to to just be any other announcer. I no, want W. H. Sure. Park, this unfiltered guy. It's Like, look at that fucking gear here. <laughs> This match fucking sucked um i think it'd be the best thing ever personally I'm very selfish uh on my behalf but nonetheless um I, i'm very curious to see what kind of uh, added interest and it's just it's adding more to the pro wrestling fans diet stardom yeah. is uh, for some it might be a priority product i think for the most it's not it's something for me personally if i can get to a stardom show yes. i will if,
0: it, if people have more access especially i think you're very you know dedicated niche audience that that is we we see is willing to pay to go to many different types of shows in north america if they ran more shows in places like this i definitely feel like they would do really well
2: yeah uh do do you see them trying that again next year uh wrestlemania weekend in florida doing a stardom show again without a doubt absolutely it's interesting to see as well as we're seeing kind of the rollout of wrestlemania shows for next year mainly it's the collective again but it's it's like the themed style shows that seem to be what are going to grab people's attention versus your just meat and potatoes wrestling show that, you know, GCW, that's their that's their area, and they've been very successful with that formula. And I think fans are generally – they know they're getting great wrestling. Now they want cool little twists and turns on regular presentation of shows. Yeah, and
0: clearly it's been a formula that's been very successful for them. Um, and I again, you know, what's caught my attention as a wrestling fan lately? Like I think I already have my fill of great super indies. It seems, feels like almost every promotion is that right now. I kind of want something that has a bit more identity onto itself, whether it be somebody like something like stardom or DDT
2: running a show. Something that's an experience to go to. Like, Mm -hmm. if you know, going to a live NWA taping would probably be a lot of fun to do just in that setting. Like the setting is a draw uh, for me personally to just go there. And that's you're now kind of selling people on an experience versus just the, the matches. Does it do you see it getting
0: oversaturated, though? I mean, if, if it hasn't already. WrestleMania weekend. WrestleMania weekend in particular,
2: maybe these types of gimmicky shows. Sure. I, I definitely do. Like, I'll, I'll say that, you know, for a lot of the themed events, they aren't. It's got to be something that that hits me that would really grab my interest. Like mm-hmm. the Orange Cassidy show, I could appreciate how fun it looked, but it wasn't something I was dying to go out of my way to see. But for some, there will be. And that's always measuring that what does the majority want? Are there enough people that want this that make it viable that those like me that maybe are not going to go see it uh, is offset by, mm-hmm. you know, it's a profitable show and therefore you do it. But it, I definitely can see there being a tipping point of just too many and people just kind of, you know, wearing out its welcome. You want it to be unique. Uh, NXT from Wednesday night. Do you want to go through uh, some of our thoughts on this? This was a show packed with matches. We've got eight matches on this show uh, leading into the main event, which was uh, Pete Dunne and Damian Priest. But um, this also kicked off with Tommaso Ciampa in his first match back, defeating Angel Garza 319 with the draping DDT, which he is calling Willow's Bell. Mm -hmm. And also saw him... uh, yeah, how did you think Ciampa looked here coming back in a remarkable amount of time? Yeah, it's amazing. He was supposed to be gone
0: for a year, came back in what half that time. He had the surgery at the beginning of March. Incredible. Uh, I thought he his presence was as excellent as ever. I mean, this time coming out as a, like a refreshed baby face, like it. He feels like such such a such a big deal in in the confines of this room, and uh, I I thought his he he looked in tremendous shape. Uh, as people typically do when when they're off the road or at least uh recovering and rehabbing, um, and I thought he was great. You know, it, I I don't know how I feel about like um maybe necessarily beating up like a a man's tights with a flag on it. That to me was I, a I bit thought it more came of off
2: like heel, like too heelish. You know what I mean? It wasn't even left to be. Oh, it's only his pants. It was like it was called out it on the commentary. He's disrespecting his heritage, yeah. and I think. You know, especially in today's climate, it comes across very extremely heelish, and I would I, say, I, to be just – if you just see that out of context, that here is an individual stomping what looks to be a Mexican flag. Yeah. I think it comes across very offensive for who is primed to be your top babyface. If they were just his pants, then yeah, okay, whatever. But the fact that, you
0: know, the, the announcers were also calling out the they, fact they, that That's what
2: they said about his, his heritage. heritage.
0: I don't know if that was really, you know, uh, becoming of, of a babyface. You know which he seems to be portraying himself. I didn't. As right I now. I didn't like it at all. I think it was really yeah. like uh, tonally completely off. But you know, it was a short match. Uh,
2: good return showcase for Tommaso Ciampa. Otherwise, <laughs> um, we had the Undisputed era coming out, and we got a angle of the year, best USB drive angle way. Um, I would assume the only
0: USB drive angle of the year oh, that might God. be a very specific coin. I'm waiting for maybe maybe Dropbox will
2: be our follow up. Oh, okay, yeah. You text him a link, I guess, yeah, or we transfer. Yeah, lots, lots of different Google options drive, yeah. So this drive after they confronted Champa, um, we got the footage after the break of an angle of a beatdown of Velveteen Dream, although no physicality shown involving Velveteen Dream, who's just laid out. Had a great line here by Cole saying, let Dream sleep on it as he's laid out, and he's taken out of next week's North American title match, and we'll get a new match out of it later on in the show. But it looks like Dream just kind of written off for the time being, and I don't know what the, uh, the details are regarding Dream, but this certainly suggested that
0: he's hurt yeah yeah and if that's the case i mean be no other reason to really kind of suddenly postpone a match like this right and
2: not do any kind of physicality yes. with him i thought that was pretty telling when yeah. you see a guy just laid out it usually means that they can't do anything physical it,
0: i mean if this was just a cover-up for for them to pivot to a different uh, uh match next week for uh, roderick strong i thought it was done relatively well
2: you know U- usb drive and all i love the tag match with uh, Oni lorkin and danny birch against marcel Bartel and uh, fabian eichner uh, Nigel McGuinness, he is one that, you know, when it comes to pronunciations, he's very much on the V train with, uh, Walter okay, as opposed yeah. to Walter. Yeah. And he's just putting all his chips in because we got Alexander Wolf in the corner. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I, I really That's, appreciate this, but yeah. we, we really do need like, um, like guide. a media guide to be put out for all wrestling promotions, accurate pronunciations and where we're going. Is it, is it Walter Walter? I'm fine with either. I mean, we don't, we don't call, uh, Wanderley. Yeah. It's Vanderlei. It's Vanderlei. But, I mean, at the same time, it's – you're considered an idiot if you call Hoist Gracie that. Yes. And yet I've been told it's Royce Gracie. That is right. the accurate pronunciation. Hoist is not a thing. The silent R is not a thing. Yeah, okay.
0: I, I mean, usually when it comes to things like this, I, I leave it up to the actual performer themselves, how, how what they would prefer. So if every, anybody ever gets a chance to ask Walter how to pronounce his name, we'd
2: love to know. Um. I'm fine, though. Alexander Wolf. So, like, that sounds intimidating. Like, that is the final Wolf. boss in the video game. Okay. Um. They they just had an awesome tag match. I've been so high on Marcel Bartel ever since we saw him at that house show. Oh, yeah. And he came out unknown. He wasn't on TV at this point. He was a tremendous promo. And I just think this guy carries himself great. Uh. This was just a really fun tag match ending mm. with a doomsday European uppercut delivered by Bartel and pinning Oni Lorcan, who had an awesome firing up Come back as he got the hot tag from Danny Birch, but this was uh, this was one of my favorite matches between either show. Not yeah. match of the night, but um, up there. I agree. Pace was incredibly strong,
0: uh, fast, and and just really hard hitting maneuvers every time. I would say any any of these four really get into the ring, I'm always somewhat interested. And when you put, pair the four together, uh, you know, despite like always losing, I think Lorcan and Birch continue to be like favorites that are really bubbling beneath the surface in NXT, and I definitely see them getting a tag title run uh, in the me- in in the near future. And I th- I think Imperium are fantastic. I certainly like these two. I'm still not really sold on Alexander Wolf, who they haven't really given a ton to just yet. And I don't necessarily know how he really fits in, to be honest with the group, other than just being a
2: fourth person. Maybe they need uh, some mentors, and they can form the Wolf Pack. Moving on, another short match: Io Shirai defeating Caden Carter in 2:37. Top rope moonsault. Uh, the issue they're going to have with Io Shirai is this woman is phenomenal and she was treated like a complete babyface after this match and she added her name to the list they're doing the New Japan deal where everyone's talking about becoming a double champion but in here it's the target is Shayna Baszler and who will be the one to knock off the long-standing women's champion and she wants to add her name to Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair's and she gets confronted by Ripley who is going to take on Belair next week and warn Shirai about ever spitting her name out because she'll shut her up too and at the end of this, like you really felt like Shirai was positioned as the babyface here, which I hope is not the case because I think this has been a good turn, but it's going to be very hard to keep the audience negative towards her. Did you her.
0: really feel that way? Cause they I were think... all chanting her name after. Well,
2: that's because it's, it's what the
0: audience wants, but clearly Rhea Ripley is the babyface, I would say. Oh, I took Don't her as like, I... almost like the bully
2: out here coming here and warning her not to stand up to her.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm not so sure. I mean, clearly, I think this audience likes Zero Shirai. I, I, I feel like they will continue at least with her as a heel up until a certain point, and then eventually they will turn her back babyface. But right now, she's she's getting cheered because she is presenting the attitude of a heel that is, you know, so 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 at the, at this point well liked by this audience. I like the match. You know, um, again, a really short match, but I thought Caden Carter are like showed some great athleticism and, you know, um, paired up, up there with Io Shirai, I thought these two had a really good two, three-minute matchup. So, you know, unlike New Japan, when when they kind of like everybody throws their name in the hat, I think this is leading to a multi-man match and not so much like, you know, who's going to pick each other off before you get to like one funnel challenge at the end.
2: Yeah, we'll see, because they're going to add even more names to the to this mix before the end of the show. It's a lot of bodies that they have kind of uh, stacked here in, in going after Shayna. Uh, Regal then announces Dream is out of the match. So next week, Strong will defend against the winner of our upcoming match with Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic. And they had a very different match than their usual style. This was built around, you know, selective high spots. But Dijakovic wrestling with one arm as he was uh, had the arm beaten down by Lee, who was compared to... A mix of Big Ben Bader and Shaquille O'Neal. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Because they're all big and I guess Shaq's black.
2: Uh, Accurate. Uh, there was a uh, – we got the picture-in-picture picture and let's just say that uh, Pentagon Jr.'s one-arm military press Uh, still stands as my pick for leading candidate for picture-in-picture picture spot of the year because there was very little going on during this break. Um, Lee splashed the injured arm, kind of similar to – like Robbie Eagles, how he sets up the Ron Miller special. Uh, and then it led to a Poison Rana by Keith Lee that everyone went insane for. Mm-hmm. And Dijakovic came back trying for a Top Rope Rana. It's blocked by Lee. And this is after, I'd say, 12, 13 minutes they're having this match. And Roderick Strong runs in, quickly attacks them. Match is thrown out. Moro is furious. And Regal announces the three-way for next week. I, I thought, like... Th- this match was built up a lot. It was a lengthy match, and well, they're I, building it up as a rubber match. Yeah, yeah it's the rubber match, and I just thought the the ending and the, the quick announcement of the three way it was almost just one of those way too convenient uh, presentations. I think I, I was fine with the run in to set up the three way, just mm-hmm. maybe in a more creative fashion than what we got. I, especially, I think coming off of like AEW Dynamite, where you had you
0: know finishes to everything, even the 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 Jack Swagger DQ that we saw that ultimately you know gave you a result at the end of it. Um, I think it really kind of shows you maybe the the playbook of, like, how they build to matches is going to be different in AEW versus the WWE playbook, which, you know, in NXT, I feel like is executed way better than what you typically see on Raw and SmackDown. But even here, it's like, oh, DQ leading to a a three-way, which I don't have an issue with. It's just I I, I think when you're trying to set up the promise of, like, you know, this being a a rubber match that you're finally going to see some conclusion out of, to have it end, I would say, in a pretty – convenient way like this leaves a bit of a sour taste in people's mouths and by the time that we're gonna get the match next week it's it'll be like like what five times that we've seen these these this two will together? be the
2: well this was the fourth singles match in nxt for them so next week is uh, it's their first one involving someone else but yeah okay but the fifth one
0: and then you're gonna see a sixth one probably at a, at a takeover at some point between these two are you going to the well too many times in such a short amount Best of time of
2: 14 <laughs> nothing wrong with that right
0: but uh- uh, it was an okay match. Like you know, these two have certainly done better. Um, and this also wasn't designed to be yeah. their their
2: blowout style of match. Either.
0: There there were big enough spots that I think every anybody who continues to be introduced to them will will really want to pay attention the next time they see it. I I guess I just don't necessarily know if this needed really to even go this long. Then if if you're just going to get this finish,
2: Matt Riddle defeated Bronson Reed after hitting a, a corkscrew off the top which was caught into a power bomb and then he caught Bronson with the bro Derek in 303. Not too many people that could get away with the name of this finish, but Riddle is I don't even
0: not, I don't know if he really no? can, to
2: be honest. Like <laughs> uh yeah.
0: I yeah what did you think? Bronson Reed and
2: uh no. it was alright. It was it was short. They were really trying to uh pre- present Bronson Reed as a competitive fight here for Matt Riddle, who's pretty much just bouncing back after the loss to Adam Cole. And yeah, he's not really earmarked for anybody. He's not tied to any program at the moment. It's sort of like Adam Cole is in the rear view mirror. And, you know, I, I was kind of curious to see, would this guy be a potential call up? And obviously not. And they fist bumped before and after the match. So we'll see what they go next with, with Riddle, but
0: a lot of potential, sorry, just
2: a rehab match
0: yeah yeah uh i don't love matt riddle to be honest with you i've seen him in great matches but like there's just something about his particular style that you know strangely enough being like an mma fighter i find somewhat unrealistic you know it's just like to me just there's there's something that i don't necessarily love about maybe uh i don't know if it's just the pacing or or just it just feels like you know he goes just from move to move to move to move to move without that much in between and Maybe that's just my particular preference, but I I felt like this was kind of one of those matches where it's like,
2: that didn't do a whole lot for me. I'm just imagining this guy's uh, transformation onto the main roster. Vince trying to get this guy just sitting down with I with would kind of love to see it, actually. Would he be telling riddles the... in his insert promos?
0: <laughs> I think he would be more of a modern day RVD, like, you know, oh, whatever, man, whatever, bro. He'd be
2: scripted like Robin on the old 60s series with Batman. Uh, what has two beaks but never flies? <laughs> oh God, fake superheroes. <laughs> Was that Robin? I, I, dude, I made that off the top of my head. I don't know if that makes any sense. You were probably looking for the Riddler. Yeah. Um, no, but Robin would would, would be the one to answer all the riddles. Like he would get the riddle and have the answer to it that the Riddler would always pose. So you'd, you'd need a green suit for Matt. Okay. And who would be his his foil in all of this? Well, Ricochet, maybe he's the superhero. Tegan Knox versus uh Tainara, who I don't, she lost her last name. Is, is yeah. Conchi gone? Yeah. okay? So it's just Tainara. Uh, she was compared to Amanda Nunez and Chris Cyborg during this match, and this was Knox's uh, first televised match since coming back. She won with the shiniest wizard in 252 not so much that you can really get uh, a strong assessment of her coming back mm-hmm. although she did hit a choke slam which they noted was done in honor of one of her favorites Kane what think, an influence yeah yeah i thought it looked ridiculous
0: <laughs> like i think it's one thing for like you know hurricane helms to like to to do a choke slam because it's like part of the gimmick it's like you know he's he's a guy who thinks he's like a giant but i I don't know, like to see Tegan Knox like try to pull off the choke slam to even somebody of her own size. I thought looked a little silly, but okay. I I thought in ring it was fine, but I think you know what makes it special, of course, is the story that's attached to it. So already you could see Tegan Knox having a great, great attachment to much of
2: this audience, and I think that'll certainly continue. So afterwards, Kathy Kelly went to interview Knox about her return. Dakota Kai comes down, gives her a big hug, and then they're interrupted by Shayna Baszler, Jessamyn Duke, and Marina Shafir. And Baszler was great. She said that Knox is running out of limbs to rehab. She cut her off before Knox could make her case for a title match and says she hasn't even earned one yet. But they put over that, you know, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox, they want to throw their names into the hat as well. Of course, Dakota Kai has the longstanding rivalry with Shayna Baszler. So I I just thought Baszler was phenomenal here as like the lead bully of all the women and just mocking Knox for her injuries which are yeah. going to get a reaction as a bully and
0: uh you know like a, an ultimate babyface like Tegan Knox is like her story is so incredibly strong as as an underdog babyface that I think eventually when they get to that match it'll be fantastic
2: a uh, great feature with Finn Balor that this is all about retracing your steps and going back to determine if you were a positive influence and he had to find his heart and next week his future will be his past I, I really like this. I thought this was one of the better profiles we've seen of Finn Balor that I don't think they ever really tapped into um, yeah. on on Raw over the last years at this point. And it was just um, – I, I like the feature.
0: It was simple. It, it was, was good. good. I almost wish like, he, he did something in-ring, though, like with the way they, they kind of built it up. I was kind of hoping that he would like cut a promo in-ring to lead up to, to the thing. But um, this was still cool. I – part of me wonders like how they will treat his return to make it seem like it's not a retread of what he was trying to do. Cause I think so often bringing people back to NXT feels like they're going backwards. Yeah. You so, have to avoid that with him. So
2: I think they need something fresh with the character. Uh, maybe a heel turn potentially. Um, Boa, Killian Dane went three and a half minutes with Dane winning with three Vader bombs. And then this half Nelson submission to submit Boa, um, just pretty standard. Yep. Um, and then afterwards, Dane had to be separated as Pete Dunne's walking out for the main event. And Pete Dunne, Damian Priest, they went 15 minutes here and a l- lot of great action from the two. Priest was hitting these up kicks, which Morrow got to compare to Nico price, who just knocked out James Bick last weekend with an up kick, just brutal knockout. And, uh, there was a top rope, top rope Frankensteiner and chokeslam that do, that Dunn kicked out of. They're trading strikes. Audience is going nuts for all of this. Um, with five minutes left in the show, the crowd's chanting fight forever. Uh, moonsault is delivered onto Priest's knees and then Dunn reverts back to the fingers and then in the end they get into the corner jessica carr gets caught up in between them and as she's moving out of the way her back is turned i like this like attention like it was Mm -hmm. a logical reason for her to miss this and priest hit a low blow and the reckoning to pin done 1457 good match very good match really good match uh both of
0: them able to showcase a lot i mean this is probably priest's like biggest match since he's been on nxt right like is he had a more oh, for, for match Damian match. Priest, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I thought it was cool. Like, I think going the more hero route with him again, like, makes him stand out uh, amongst the rest because it feels like they have so many baby faces from the like uh, indie scene lately. So, I I think it's a good move for him. Um, I look forward to seeing what 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 more he could do because I thought he looked pretty impressive here. Uh, overall thoughts on uh, NXT this week? It was a good show, but again, like, um. You know, I can't help but maybe compare it to, to the the big show that it had maybe two weeks ago and how, again, this felt like an episode of of, of NXT that felt more like your your old uh, editions of NXT, which is not to say that it's a bad thing. Again, I feel like this was an NXT that was like that is now staying the course and not necessarily doing too much to like counter what AEW is doing. And I think eventually they're setting some there's many some seeds here, at least for for storytelling, even teasing something between Gargano and Ciampa. Uh, or at least like, you know, a, a, an interaction between the two setting the seeds for uh, Finn Balor. They, they had a, what is it, Pete Dunnan, uh a Killian Dane doing something here, to um Tegan Knox and, and Shayna. So I think a lot of interesting stories that they're setting up for, but not necessarily like this episode alone will make you go, wow, you have to see it.
2: Yeah, it seems that the philosophy is let's plant the seeds and over the long term we'll get payoffs to stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not going to hot shot things every single week. It's takeovers our destination a month from now, and it seems like they're laying the groundwork for a lot of those big programs, but we're not just going to shotgun something for next week that's not going to have the same level of impact if we cut out all the build for it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think NXT, it's uh it was it's probably been sobering the last few weeks to realize, okay, this is where we are, and how are we going to improve upon this and not be so swayed by what, what's happening with AEW? Because I think it's going to be consistent. The the viewership outcomes each week and nxt it's going to be more more of a long-term project but i also watched this show and it seems like if they got some really big hot star that just got inserted into all of this that creates a lot of buzz you, you could see a lot of intrigue here like the foundation is there for this show i still feel the two hours it i feel it on this show around I would say midway into that second hour, mm-hmm. it's like you 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 start to feel it, and I don't so much get that with AEW. How much of that has to do, you think, with the setting of the show
0: versus like, how it's put together? Like what what exactly is causing causing that for you?
2: I think it's a lot. Like again, this is eight matches. You don't mm-hmm. have necessarily like you're watching this, and clearly like they have their people in place. I just think AEW is doing. The, the atmosphere, it, it's good in full sale. It's not, it's hardly like this is like a dead crowd or anything like that. Um, but sometimes it's just like, there's, there's a lot of like short matches here and two hours of that can get tiresome. I'd say like we got the big main event, but that was, and like your crossover match with Lee and Dijakovic. So those were like your two big matches and the rest were, it's a lot of showcases and not everybody is over to the same degree as others on this show. We want
0: to get to your thoughts as well on both AEW and NXT and anything else this week. But first, uh, I think we're going to take a short, uh, um, I guess, break from talking about this current uh, Wednesday Night War stuff by because we'll be talking to
2: Corey Erdman. Yeah, we're going to be welcoming on uh, Corey Erdman momentarily um, while Way contacts him. We are going to uh, – is he ready? Uh, uh, probably shortly, Yeah. Do you want to kind of set it up? Yeah. So we wanted to have Corey on initially uh, just to chat a bit about uh, Tyson Fury uh, and his involvement with the crown jewel event and uh, kind of the, the impetus behind Tyson Fury uh, coming over to WWE, but um, we'd be remiss uh, to not address the uh, very tragic story involving uh boxer, Patrick day, who was involved in a fight this past Saturday in Chicago and suffered a knockout loss in this fight. And Passed away tragically on Wednesday. Uh, Corey Erdman was there in Chicago, uh, calling this fight. And Corey, obviously, not the um, the greatest of circumstances uh, to be talking about. But uh, I, just, I I can't imagine this situation for you. Can you just tell us a bit about Saturday night, the ending to that fight, and and what was known in the immediate aftermath after the show and you being kind of in real time having to call this show and then deal with the, the aftermath once that show was over.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, just, just to clarify, I mean, I, I was ringside, you know, I was 18 feet away from, uh, where Patrick day ultimately passed away. Uh, but I was working in a, in a production capacity. Oh, so I'm sorry. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, I didn't have to work in a narrative capacity in this sense, but, uh, but I was there nonetheless. And obviously, uh, getting the information as it was coming and, and, and I was there, um, for the first time to witness a, a ring tragedy, uh, with my two eyes and in, in live. And, you know, you, you read about these and and you see them on television and uh, you can't prepare yourself, even knowing full well, what the dangers uh, of the sport of boxing are, you really can't prepare yourself for witnessing something like that. And the attachment, that you that you feel to it and and how you'll feel coming out of it but as far as what we knew at the moment i mean uh you know patrick day was facing charles conwell in what was a a fight that conwell was winning but was very much competitive in in the middle rounds this wasn't uh you know a one-sided beat down by any means but in the 10th round conwell finally got got the best of him and uh dropped him with with a right hand and, and a left hook uh day went down very hard and uh, almost immediately, you you realize that this was something serious, and he was given oxygen and and taken out of out of the ring and out of the arena immediately, and and before the broadcast was even over. So I would say within about an hour, uh, we had found out that he uh, had not woken up, had had seized on the way to the hospital, and. Um, you know, when we went to bed that night, Patrick Day was still in a coma, and, uh, four days later, he's passed away. So, um, you know, not something I ever looked forward to. And, you know, I, I'm sure we'll get into it, but really, I mean, you, you find yourself kind of questioning everything about the sport and what you do for a living, as, as, you know, I'm sure people in, in pro wrestling have at different points, uh, whether it be for ring deaths or, or performers who have passed away because of the vigors of wrestling, you know, you, you really start questioning what it is that um what it is that we're watching what it is that we're involved with and and you know given the incalculable cost of a human life uh you find it difficult to come to the conclusion that it is a net positive but in order to continue on you 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 kind of have to
2: now i didn't see the fight did he was he able to get to the back under his own power was it evident immediately that uh, th- there was immediate concern or was that only after the fact that the the severity of this knockout was realized
3: no i mean this was immediate concern patrick day never got up, but once he was down um he, he never regained consciousness you know i you know it's it'll stick with me i'm sure for the rest of my life kind of looking into his eyes basically as wow. you know everything for him stopped you know it's it's so, no, I mean, this wasn't one of those circumstances where kind of like after the fact you, you, you've seen it where fighters will kind of collapse in the back or on their way to the back or this was very much instant. And you know he wasn't pronounced dead on the scene, but this was, you know, a, a ring death in the most horrifying way that you can
2: imagine, basically. You know, you, being someone that has followed combat sports for as long as you have, Corey, in these situations, like, do you have a clear sense of like how – This should be handled in the arena when something of this magnitude happens. Do you believe that you just you continue on? You hope for the best? I mean, it's not a very easy question to answer, but it's one that has certainly been one that has been asked of professional wrestling, uh, you know, mixed martial arts, professional boxing. I mean, in that moment when this is evident is the best thing to continue.
3: Yeah, I mean I, I it's, it's it's a tough question that I don't know that I, there's an answer for. I think that maybe the clearer answer would be, you know, if you know, we didn't know that Patrick was going to pass away at that moment. So, you know, we knew that it was that the situation was grave, we knew that he hadn't woken up. Um, you know, perhaps if you know, if there's an instance where someone is instantly and, you know, obviously deceased in the ring, I think that you can make a very fair call to not continue that show. You know, but no one—I mean, the, the officials are not in the in the in the best capacity to no. continue. Everyone involved in the in in the show, it's just not ready to to continue on if that happened. But if you don't know that the the fighter or the performer has passed away, then you know it's almost it's almost morbid to continue on um, with the assumption that they have. You know, it's it's it is very difficult. You know, and again, working on the broadcast the end of it, it's a tough line to call because, in my opinion, what happened there, you know, with Patrick Day or you know inserts, um, you know, any performer or fighter who's who's had something tragic happen to them, that instance kind of has to inform the rest of the broadcast. To me, you know, you you the 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 front of your mind for the rest of that broadcast has to be safety of the fighters. I think your tone has to change. Um, you know, just it's, understandably, it should change given what you've watched. But at the same time, you can't you can't talk as if the person has passed away if you don't know that. You know, their family might be watching, their supporters might be watching. So you still have to have a glimmer of hope. You know, we can't we can't march forward as if they're gone already. So it's it's a very it's just impossible to do it comfortably and to do it perfectly in the instance that we were in on on Saturday.
2: What are the constructive steps that come out of, you know, the the worst of tragedies in, in these examples? Is this a conclusion that this is a just a very, very unfortunate reality of what we cover in combat sports? Do you see remedies? Are there lessons to be learned here? It, uh, these, are, these are obviously large discussions, but I think important to have whenever something like this does happen.
3: Yeah, I, I think that there are. Uh, there are a lot of ways to make boxing at least nominally safer. And, you know, a, a lot of those have been have been written about, and that includes just uh, heightened medical testing for fighters before and after fights, um, higher standards uh, for when a man or woman can step in the ring based on their medical or professional past. Um, we can have better medical initiatives ringside. You know, that that oxygen tank should be right there next to the canvas, uh, at, at all times, um, you know we can just do a better job of, of at ma- you know just be more humane matchmakers. Just in general, I mean we see so many. This was not one of those examples, by the way. I mean this, but we see so many horrific mis- mismatches across the world in all forms of combat sports, and you know they are they're all tragedies waiting to happen because of the you know the physical difference. Between the competitors and the skill difference between the competitors. I mean, there there are things that I think we can do to to minimize the frequency of these tragedies. But I think what makes this such a um, a difficult thing to grasp and and difficult to to provide answers to in, in the moment is that all of these passings that we've had recently, and that being Day and, and Maxim Dadashev and um, and Santion in uh, in Argentina. That's mm-hmm. three ring deaths basically over the last three months almost these weren't mismatches but in fact these were all very competitive and i think well-matched fights and that's what makes this difficult to to grasp is that the sport in its current construct with athletes getting bigger and stronger and faster is just unbelievably dangerous and perilous and as big and strong as these as these bodies are getting as the years go on your, your brain, your skull doesn't get any stronger. So these fighters year after year, as they get better as athletes are also in graver danger. And, and so, I mean, unless we start wearing helmets, you know, or, or go back to, to three round bouts with, with headgear boxing, as it currently exists can only get, but so safe.
2: Yeah. I, I think that these are all um, interesting discussions to have. And, you know, when you look at a, a at a sport that does have commission oversight, do you feel that that enables change or does it make it difficult to make change when you have to have agreement across the board? And I look more closely at, at mixed martial arts where, you know, it's very difficult to initiate change and then see all of these commissions adopt those changes. And you see it from the Association of Boxing Commissions passing the, the difference in, in uh, the unified rules, which have now led to the ununified rules in MMA, where a fighter in one state is going to be bound by different rules than the following week's card in another state that may not have adopted the new rules. And it's like, where, where do you see the commissions playing a role here? And is it how hard is it to kind of make broad sweeping changes to the sport that are going to be acknowledged?
3: Well, it's extremely difficult. I mean, uh, because every state commission can basically make up its own mind. Now, I I do think that because these are, you know, because of the, uh, because of what these events are, like it's, it's good that there is a governmental body as an oversight because these are people putting their lives on the line. So there, there needs to be, you know, a body that someone has to answer to. Like there, there needs to be if something goes terribly, terribly wrong. There needs to be legal repercussions, so I can understand why. Obviously, there are athletic commissions run by the state. That isn't necessarily the problem. It's it's again, we always talk about it. Without one governing body overseeing everything, a lot of things can slip through the cracks. And you know, just anecdotally, you know, you know in MMA, I know in boxing, there are states that you can go to where you can get away with things that you can't in other states. There are states that you can go to where it the rules are known to be lax when it comes to matchmaking, when it comes to checking the gloves or not in the back, when it comes to drug testing. It, the, you know, these are all individual entities who can fly their own way. I mean, like, you know, we're seeing it w- with the resurgence of uh, of, of bare knuckle boxing, sure. you know, which, which which I called in, in North Dakota a, a, a couple weeks ago, states are deciding on their own you know, not just to change the rules of boxing, but to say, hey, let's go back to what boxing was before we decided this was utterly barbaric. You know, so if, if they can do that, imagine how, you know, how loose it could get. So, yeah, I mean, of course it would help if, if we could finally get one overseeing body, you know, with experts at the top who could, who could help make the safest decisions um, from top to bottom on each and every card. It, it, could, it could only help.
2: We are chatting with uh, Corey Erdman, a uh, tremendous boxing analyst, commentator. You can read a lot of his work at a boxing scene, uh, among other places. Uh, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, Corey, was to kind of look at this uh, upcoming match that the WWE is promoting with Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman and kind of get get a sense of how this has been met uh, within the boxing world and what you see as the incentive uh, beyond just monetarily for Tyson Fury. Like, is this... Uh, is this a valuable um, resource for Tyson Fury to explore, expose himself? How big of a deal is this uh, for Tyson Fury and growing his popularity?
3: Yeah, quite honestly, I think that Tyson and the sport of boxing, and you know, and, and I guess then by extension, his promoter Top Rank and uh, the network that he appears on, at ESPN, they I think stand to gain more than the WWE does. I mean, mm. I, I think that Tyson in the in the segments that we've seen him in. Listen, he's a, he's a gifted orator, and he sounds very natural when he's trash-talking, which is, as, as we all know, probably the most difficult thing that wrestlers learn to do, uh, maybe even more so than the inside of the ring, which is obviously tremendously difficult. But sounding natural when you're trying to sound like a tough guy uh, can be problematic, and, and Tyson does it very well. But uh, again, I mean, it, just looking at the raw numbers, even if – Ratings are going down uh, on WWE programming. I mean, if you're getting 2.5 million viewers, let's say, that's way more than any boxing broadcast gets right now. (laughs) I mean, uh, pay-per-view or or streaming or on on cable, I mean, nothing has touched that number in quite some time that isn't Mayweather-McGregor, basically. And I would stand to guess that the majority of those people are not the people who are watching boxing on a weekly basis. You know, that somewhere between 400,000 and 1.2 million, let's say, that are the built-in boxing audience, most of the people watching Raw SmackDown aren't those people. So, I mean, if, if, if you even gain whatever, I mean, if you gain 50,000 people that have an interest in Tyson Fury and then are curious enough to just turn on ESPN next time he fights, or slow down, or throw down a couple bucks to buy the pay per view. I mean, that's that's a big gain for for Fury and, and and just for his notoriety in general.
0: What what's the reaction been like amongst boxing circles, Corey, if there has been any to Tyson Fury uh, being a part of the WWE?
3: Um, I I mean I think it falls kind of on either side of how you feel about Tyson Fury. I mean he's a very a very polarizing figure uh, for some very serious reasons and, and others just kind of uh, pertaining to taste. I mean, uh, without getting into it, I mean, Tyson has has said and done a lot of things that are very rightfully offensive to a a lot of people um, that he's never really atoned for. I think we kind of uh, keep it on to the same pile where, you know, we say, okay, well, he's recovering from mental illness and he battled addictions and and he's beaten all that. And, you know, we kind of think of those statements that he's made in the past as maybe a part of that era. Um, But still, he's never really apologized for some of those things that he said. So there are a lot of people who just don't like Tyson theory. And so they're not going to like um, this particular publicity stunt by any means. But I think other people, I mean, boxing will do anything to get extra viewers. And I think that people would think about it sensibly only from a business perspective would see it the same way that this can only help the ratings on for boxing on ESPN and and can only help Tyson's stature, uh, which in turn, you know, helps any other fighter who's on the card with him when he does fight.
2: Do you think to, to that point as well, that this also beyond just uh, notoriety for Tyson Fury, this is also kind of a, image rehabilitation for Tyson Fury among an audience that maybe are not familiar with all those things and following in the playbook of how Floyd Mayweather, sir, I I think to a degree benefited from that, that WWE exposure uh, over a decade ago.
3: Yeah, I, I think you absolutely could see it that way. Now, I mean, for the, for the most critical uh, of folks, it, it really doesn't help at all because he's going to go and fight in Saudi Arabia, which comes with the, it, its own, uh, you know, level of, of criticism. Again, Rightfully,
2: um, which I'll say, Corey, my... that, you know, following like much more closer to like the MMA circles, like I haven't seen a whole lot of, you know, condemnation regarding, you know, Cain Velasquez going to do this show. And mm. I would imagine Tyson Fury. And I look at like the, the wrestling audience as well. Like there are certainly people that are very aware of it and are not happy about it. But it just seems that. It's not a bit as big of an issue this year as it was a year ago when the WWE went over there right after the Jamal Khashoggi murder.
4: Yeah, no,
3: I I agree. And again, full disclosure, I work for DAZN, which is a company that is presenting a fight in Saudi Arabia in two two months from now. So, you know, just, just putting that out there. I mean, at a certain point, I mean, to your point, the, the people who cover the sport and, and are critics of of these sports – at a certain point when the fight when the match gets in the ring, you have to cover it as as a fight uh, and, and and as as a match. So I mean the, the criticism will stop at a at a certain point. and you know almost I mean most of the the big kind of combat figures throughout sports have you know done some dealings with some some figures that were less than savory. I mean, you know, Muhammad Ali fought. Uh, in in Zaire, at, 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 at the height of, of the troubles there. He fought in the Philippines at the height of the troubles there. So, no one is, is, is squeaky clean uh, when it comes to, I shouldn't say no one, but I mean, like, even the best of people we can think of have definitely uh, fought in some places and made some business choices that were not, you know, 100% morally based.
2: I cover combat sports. I have no idea what you're talking about, Corey. This is, this is all <laughs> yeah, brand I mean, listen, new.
3: But if we're going to go down that road, I don't even know what I'm doing for a living. <laughs> Where at,
2: at, at January 1st of this year, Corey, on your likely-unlikely scale, how high was unlikely uh, of the following scenario of Bob Arum at a WWE press conference talking about working with Vince McMahon on the Snake River Canyon jump with Evil Knievel? <laughs> you were immediately the person that I thought of watching this press conference and how I would have loved to have seen your real-time reaction to Bob Arum coming out there and how this was just seeming going over many people's heads and just how bizarre this was this press conference.
3: I mean it's it's just tremendous and it, and it reminded me of how most people forget this but uh like SummerSlam 88 was basically just an infomercial for Sugar Ray Leonard, Donnie LaLon.
2: That's right. Yes. The, Vince
3: McMahon was one of the promoters of that fight. And basically what I mean, if you look back at some of the, the skits leading up to it, you know, it was Bobby Heenan in the gym with Sugar Ray. And it was just a promotional tool for a boxing event that uh, Vince McMahon was promoting. So <laughs> I guess we've come full circle of 30 years later.
2: Well, it's – uh. It's always great to catch up with you, Corey. Uh, I think that you are the authority when it comes to talking about all of these issues uh, within boxing. Uh, tell our uh, listeners, viewers, what uh, where they can catch more of uh, Corey Erdman. And I hope at uh, some point we can get you in studio here.
3: Hey, you know, I don't live too far, so we can definitely make that happen. But uh, if uh, up until then, uh, as you mentioned, you can read my columns on Boxing Scene uh, every second Monday. I'm uh, one of the lead columnists there. Uh, on the air... Uh, you can watch me on Broadway Boxing, which is on UFC Fight Pass uh, and SNY for our New York listeners out there. I work behind the scenes uh, for DAZN as well, so if you're not subscribed to DAZN, do that. You can watch boxing there basically every single week. And whenever it is announced, you'll see me on uh, Valor Bare Knuckle episode number two. We Ooh. should have a date uh, official for that coming up. We started teasing it on their social media over the last couple of days, so... Look out for that. But uh, anywhere boxing is, I'm sure I am not too far away.
0: Corey was also one of the uh, uh, people who helped put together the Omega Man documentary that I believe aired again yesterday It it was It aired as the lead-in
2: into Dynamite last night on on TSN 2.
3: Listen, I I think Tony Khan needs to send me a finder's fee for this TSN deal. I'm I'm just saying.
2: (laughs) Oh, look at that. Hey, any uh, first impressions of Dynamite three weeks in? Have you seen uh, most or Uh, any of it?
3: I mean, I, I've watched all of it, and okay. I've watched the AEW Dark as well. I mean, I've i loved it. I mean, I, I I and again, we're only a couple weeks in, so it's easy for uh, for things to be enjoyable and things for not to get messed up because you know we're still in the infancy of character development and 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 all these feuds that are going on. But you know, I think the presentation has been has been crisp. It, it, it's been solid. There's no camera shaking. Uh, there's not too many crowd reaction shots. You know, all those things that kind of annoy people about the presentation of wwe at this point uh those don't seem to be there and at the same time that it's feeling fresh it also feels a little bit nostalgic you know with the with tony and with jr both of whom i think are doing a great job shivani i think has been almost the the revelation of the the broadcast crew definitely um i think he's 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 brought a a level of legitimacy and kind of a, a straight down the middle kind of sports coverage call these matches that i've really enjoyed so i've loved it so far and i've also loved the uh the nwa series that's just been a lot of old school campy fun with some good promos as well so it's been a, it's been a good couple of weeks for wrestling
2: did you have a craving for uh waffles and tire irons after this past tuesday
3: <laughs> I, I definitely do that that might have been the that might have been the segment of the of the month in pro wrestling
2: it was it was quite something he is the swiss army knife of combat sports analysis. Corey Erdman, uh, I definitely look forward to doing a follow-up with you, Corey, and uh, getting you here in studio, because uh, it'd be great to catch up with you. Maybe maybe you can give us a little tease the next time, uh, whenever the the making of Omega Man can fully be revealed, because I think you have definitely, many many tales definitely. to tell one day. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that one day. <laughs> Thank you so much, Corey. Great to catch up with you, and we'll talk soon. All right, guys. Take See care. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, man. Right. And you can follow him at Corey underscore Erdman. Uh, a man that I once traveled to Russia with.
0: Oh yeah! In, in
2: fact, six years ago, at this very time, wow. I was in October of 2013. I was in Russia with uh, the Fight Network team, which included Corey Erdman. And it was, I've heard some
0: stories from that trip that I'm sure you could reveal uh, uh, in a special podcast at some point.
2: Well, some of them were some of them were just uh, I, I was uh, I heard secondhand myself while over there, but there was uh, it, it was maybe the best work trip I've ever been a part of. We uh
0: go to our phone lines right now. Sorry yes. we haven't been able to get to your calls up until this point, but uh we're going to be going as long as we can. Yes. Taking all of your calls. Uh you can search for us post wrestling on Skype or one seven three two eight hundred forty four twenty-three. We first go to our man Neil.
5: Neil, what is going on? Hi guys. Good to speak to you. Good to speak to you. It's, uh, what What is it with our man in front of mine? <laughs> John says it all the time.
0: Our man. Our man. Yeah, <laughs> our man. Well, he's our man.
5: You're our man. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> it's a very Irish saying to say your man when you're talking about somebody, you know, your man, John, and your man way. But listen, first, thanks. A quick congrats on the recent spike in, uh, in cafe membership. It's been pretty noticeable on the Patreon site. Um, long Thanks. may it continue.
0: Thank you very much and thank you to everybody who's uh, joined us recently.
5: Yeah, it's a lot of people. You know what you have, John and Wei? What's that? The big, biggest prize of all? The Big Mo? <laughs> the big, oh, of course, of course. We, we've
2: got it. We're, we're riding it.
5: <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> have. Outside of the, um, the news of the week, although I would like to just say really quickly that um, I'm really glad to hear Corey mention the controversial con- um, aspects of um, of Tyson Fury, um, particularly on this side of the, of the Atlantic, mm-hmm. he is a controversial figure. He really has never properly um, apologized for some of the things he's said. Uh, it's kind of just, as Corey's mentioned, been rolled into, a, a, well, he, he had addiction problems and he had mental health problems. I think all of us know people who have had mental health problems or addiction problems and it didn't turn them into a rampant homophobe or misogynist or anti-Semite you know so I mean I'm one of those people who doesn't really care for for, um, Tyson and uh, not resent but slightly think it's uh, a bit distasteful the amount of money he's going to get out of this Saudi Arabia deal.
2: And you feel like he should have like addressed these comments which I think is something that is I I think uh, valid criticism to just simply address and apologize for exactly I think think you can move on instead of leaving something lingering like this which it is going to be for those that are familiar with the with those comments that he's made in the
5: past certainly and he was absolutely notorious for them here because he was pulled from a BBC sports personality of the year couple of years ago which is, a, which is a really big deal over here you know it gets massive viewership it, it, it's on television around Christmas time and um, it was around then that um, he was in the running to begin with and an awful lot of his um, very controversial um, statements came out um, but yes absolutely John if he apologised properly I think most people would, would, would go well that's in the past now and I'm very glad he, he has apologised um, it seems to me he's more you know interested in in um, interested in the money and that's why he's not saying these things anymore but um, I wonder if I could it's really beyond the news of the week I wanted to ask something this week and it was sparked by the and you've way you've you've really quite deliberately and I'm, I'm sure it's deliberate not really gone into this very much, but you got you got a big mention on Twitter. I did in the past days, and it's Twitter I wanted to talk about or ask you about really wrestling Twitter, the pros and cons. I mean, for me, the pros are you know, there's a lot of humor out there. People like RT City, very funny. I know you saw this one way a guy called Snowboy. Nobody knows him, but I know him. He's a, he's um he's a local um irish wrestling scene fan and he's just a hilarious guy and he did this um video doing a um an impression of jimmy havoc um, oh yeah that know, was great
0: really it's really funny.
5: really hilarious you know i like cutting people i like yes. killing people you know and this but this guy's from cork his accent is nothing like that it really was quite genius you know so and of course getting information directly from the source mike bennett this week yeah uh, uh, updates from youtube but there's so many cons to it as well Mm -hmm. i have a friend who's in japan at the moment for the rugby world cup he tweets about wrestling a lot but he was excoriated for being in japan and not going to king of pro wrestling or even really knowing about it but he's not a new japan guy and that's okay you know it's people rip each other on on twitter and you get ill-informed smart arses people rip Meltzer all the time for things yeah. generally that that they've never said and they're clearly not subscribers to the observer or listeners to observer radio for you guys i guess a bugbear would is going to be and i'm guilty of it i know i've been guilty of this uh, too many mentions too many tags it's got to be annoying i've been caught up by accident once or twice yeah. in um, a thread where you just have a mention and suddenly your phone just never ever stops lighting up so What's your take on it, John? I think you've said before, you know, if you could get off social media or off Twitter, um, you need it for your job, but if you could get off it, you you might. Um, What do you think? Um, And and I'll get off the air. All right. Thank
2: you, Neil. Neil. We we appreciate it as always. Um, I have a much more uh, kind of simple approach to it uh, these days. I have actually made a lot of changes where I am not uh, spending as much time on it. I don't, I've muted a lot of accounts. Um, I have my rule of if certain language is thrown at me or uh, people are harassing, that is my my blocks. And then I'm also finding, and maybe some people should try this, I no longer, uh, when I go to sleep, I leave my phone elsewhere. I was like, I no longer want to wake up and be just, that's my introduction to the day. Um, What do you use for an alarm? Well, that is a problem. It is a problem, but I'm also very good at just waking up Naturally. when I need to. My body is just tuned to wake up at 745, 8 in the morning. So I think that's great advice.
0: Uh, I, I used to do that, but I, I started to rely on my phone. And I've come to the a terrible habit of, like, checking my phone before and after I wake up. So uh, maybe I'll try that, try what you suggested, John. But, you know, the mute button is and, – and especially the mute conversation button is a hell of a introdu- uh, feature – uh, on any social platform. It really should be something that I think is is uh, created across the board everywhere. Um, and, you know, really, you kind of make your own experience of it. These are great tools for communication uh, or they could be great tools for terrible bullying or just negativity or just uh, racism or just anything else. You know, like, it, it's what you make of it. Um, So if you've had enough, just put it down
2: or delete it for a while and try to control yourself. And that's really it. And you'll be perfectly fine. I think it's very easy to turn the volume down. It's, yeah. you know, if you get sucked into, like, every day, whatever the, the Twitter storm is, it's like 24 hours later, this stuff means nothing. And we're on to the next one. Yeah. And it's like, I just kind of tune it out. It's like, I can separate news from noise. Let's go back to the phone lines. We go to Chris. Chris. From South Ozone uh, Park. Oh, my God. I heard from multiple people that were instructing me of South Ozone Park and where it is after I showed my negative, not negativity, but just uh, questioning uh, my questions about South Ozone Park. And Chris, before we talk, can you just turn down the radio on the background? Yeah, hold on a second. Yes. Whenever people are calling in, please have the volume turned down because then we get this awful echo on this side. And no one wants to hear that. Um, can you hear me now? Yes, we, we can hear you. What's up? Um, how are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Um, so um, I'm just so
0: excited. Um, just thank you very much for the t-shirt, by the way. No problem, no problem. I'm about to put it into the mail later today. So yeah.
1: Okay, so uh, I wanted to ask you, um,
0: what do you guys think of you know with AEW and NXT? Do you think NXT can survive on going against AEW?
2: survive yes absolutely their their viewership is fine they have a they have a television (laughs) deal locked in with usa i am in no concern of nxt's demise on the usa network um based on these first few weeks
0: all right and um thank you guys very much for the t-shirt i just want to come thank you guys personally because i just woke up surprised i just want a t-shirt so thank you guys oh. very much and i don't live in subtle park my mom does so i left the address over there i live all the way in queen's village in new york oh okay right on. all right thank you chris thanks chris so, thank you a lot for a listening Ninja Turtle. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> awesome donatello here on the line all right we continue with the phone calls and uh i believe we have somebody on the line right now caller what is your name oh wait there, wait a second there we go there we go. I think we have a caller right now. Hey, caller, who? Uh, you're in the cafe. What's up? Oh, hey, what's going on? How are you? Oh, boy. This is not from uh, a gentleman from South Ozone Park. Some other type of uh, ozone thing. What is up, Brandon?
1: Oh, doing well. How about yourself?
0: Very well. I understand you were actually in attendance at AEW last night in Philly.
1: Oh, absolutely, man. I had a great time. Were you dressed up as Orange Cassidy? (laughs) Clementine Cassidy, you mean.
2: (laughs) Tangerine Cassidy. That kid was very over, man.
1: He got a big win last night.
2: Yes, he's 1-0 now. He's like their (laughs) Izzy. He's got a better winning percentage than Pac now. (laughs) Brandon, are you going to make it?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Okay. I, I I Yeah, is he in the mix now for the title or or
2: <laughs> it, They didn't clarify if it was a lights out on sanction match if this counts towards any of their records.
1: Tell us about the live it's experience,
2: different. Brandon, of uh being Oh, it, it
1: it was a lit crowd that the as
0: the, the the kids would say, it was
1: very electric, very loud, very ruckus too. There was a person that chanted uh NXT, <laughs> he was he was rightfully put in, in his place.
0: <laughs> Any other? It uh, was during the eight. Yeah. It was
1: during the eight man tag, which, by the way, is is really is really going to be fun when when it comes out.
0: Uh, tell tell us about some of the post match uh festivities that took place.
1: Well, there was uh, the Nyla Rose match against uh, oh,
0: I forget who she was. <laughs>
1: <Robin> <laughs> Rose, but, uh, yeah. That, that, that was oh yeah that's right the the librarians didn't get over it right in the crowd they were, they were rightfully put in their place as well uh that was that was an okay match i, I wasn't really feeling it and then uh the eight man tag with the private party and the, the, uh Shima and uh hawk versus uh the bucks and cody and uh, and uh that was also that was a really good match a lot of uh it's your typical match a lot of, oh like uh, dustin rose that was fun. right he was over he was mad at uh, and I, it, it sounds guys.
2: like everyone stayed till the end. They were all kind of there uh, beyond the the TV. The dark match was a big. You know, people are staying for the dark matches.
1: Yeah, um, a good a some people left, but uh, a lot of people stayed for that match, and uh, it was very, a lot of dives. It, it was really good, though. I, I that was one of my favorite matches of the night.
0: Anything else on your mind today?
1: Yeah, yeah Quickly, um, uh, I was I was with my friend, and he's not he's not in the. Uh, Immersed in the in the pro wrestling scene anymore, and he said that he felt like he went back in time to like 1998 with the uh, WCW for the show. He said he's into uh, <laughs> AEW full time now, so uh, that was that was pretty uh, jawing, jarring. What he said, but. Um, I, I think a lot of people are going to be. Uh, it seemed like a very disenfranchised crowd of pro wrestlers at the show uh, with WWE. So uh, mm. I, I think that's uh that's, they, they got that going for them for uh, for whatever they're doing next for uh, the pay per view and, sh- and stuff like that. I'm thinking about going to that pay per view. It sounds like it's gonna be a good time. Uh, I got a question for you real quick. Uh, sorry for for ranting. Um, why is why is Gabe Gonzaga fighting Bigfoot Silva in parallel <laughs> I don't I don't think either of those guys could take a punch. Uh, I, I somebody's gonna get hurt in that fight. Like, what do you think about that? That's that's pretty crazy. Um, and uh, one more question. Yeah, go and ahead. And one
2: more question real quick. I'm,
0: I'm sorry. Uh... Why don't you answer his first question as as Brandon tries to remember?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, Antonio Silva and Gabriel Gonzaga fighting in, in any capacity in 2019 does not sound like a, a, a tremendous idea. Um, but I think bare knuckle, you're seeing them going for just... Anyone with a name attached to them, and that's kind of been the the M.O. Oh, hey. for them so far. Oh, Brandon is still here. I thought he lost. He I'm lost sorry. Uh,
1: and John, did you see the, uh, the the lineup for that Openweight Grand Prix at uh, Brave FC with uh, with Cole Miller and uh, Gilbert Ivil
2: I have not seen the lineup, but uh, Gilbert Ival is in this uh, is in this tournament.
1: Yeah, Gilbert Ival, uh, <laughs> Fedor's brother is in it too. Who's also a bare knuckle uh, on the bare knuckle roster. And uh, and Cole Miller, that's I just that that it's like what is it, 2002? I, I think it's pretty crazy. Uh, what are your thoughts on
2: that? I'm out here. Uh, it makes no sense to me that Cole Miller and Gilbert Ivel are somehow in a tournament uh, together, given their their sizes. So that's that's pretty insane. Um, are we continuing with phone calls, or do you want to go through any news items?
0: Yeah, let's take one more uh, from Hansi here. Hansi, you are in the cafe. What's going on?
6: hey what's going on guys uh hope you're all well um first of all i just want to say that uh i like the nxt main event better than the aw main event but overall i thought the aw show was a lot I, I just felt it was a lot better um even though i did like the i did like i was looking forward to the promoted matches that nxt was promoting because i i liked uh keith lee and diodkovovich and uh I wanted to see Champa's return. Basically, uh, by the way, with, with Champa's return, I had a context. Somebody posted Champa stomping the Mexican flag. And I'm like, wow, he, he's a, supposed to be a good guy. And he's stomping that. but I saw it in context, I mean, it still looked bad, anyways. But uh, I was glad it wasn't the flag. It was just his tights. But um, my question to you guys, uh, and I'll take your answer off because I know people are calling in. Um, I'm kind of glad that uh, uh, Stardom and Noah kind of rejected WWE's offer. So my question to you guys is: Do you think WWE is going to give up and just go? Okay, now we're done uh, prom- uh, trying to get a promotion, or do you think they'll like go for um, the other promotion, like DDT and um, All Japan and all that? And I'll take my, uh, I'll take your guys' answers off off the air. All right? Thank you so much. Thank you, Hanzi.
2: Yeah. So. Um... Those have been reported by Dave Meltzer that WWE had been uh, out there trying to buy stardom as well as uh, pro wrestling Noah, but not ultimately uh, succeeding in that. Uh, I would say if, if WWE is looking to make an inroads into Japan, that uh, one, clo- one door closing is not going to prevent them uh, from moving forward. And obviously, there's a lot of chatter out there about uh, an NXT Japan, which, you know, it seems to be there's smoke to that fire and we'll see what is officially announced but that's certainly if they were knocking on the door of noah which recently uh not too long ago they sent kent over there uh for that the match with uh naomichi marafuji so obviously they're you know they're not doing gestures like that for no reason and i think that makes sense to know that they were looking at noah uh let's go to one
0: more call before we get to our uh, we get to our ratings cuz uh, I believe they just came up, But caller, what what is on your mind uh in the cafe?
4: Hello. Hi there. Hi, this is Justin uh St. Louis. Hi How Jeff? Are you guys
0: doing? Hey, very well. What's on your mind? Uh,
4: well, First I wanted to um I never get to talk about this. So, uh I'm actually uh First Nation. My mom was from Quebec. Oh. Okay. Uh we ended up in St. Louis via the military. And uh, I'm a Micmac Indian. I got it from Bryant, uh, Indian Reserve out that way. So I never get to talk about this with anybody because, uh, you know, the United States doesn't have a treaty with our uh, people. So when I tell people here, they just make fun of me. It's uh, a little awkward sometimes.
0: Oh wow! Awesome. Cool. So, Very cool.
4: Yeah. Um. So the the Wednesday uh, the Wednesday night wars are pretty interesting. I'm not, um, I wasn't really a fan of the elite before they got their own show. Now, I guess you'd say, Uh um, but as they were building up to it, um, I feel like they kind of sold us on a lot of things that didn't happen. Um, like they were really insistent that they were going to get, you know, like healthcare. Cause I think WWE will match anything that AEW does. Right. I mean, at some point they'll, they'll have to adjust Mm -hmm. because, you know, people are really excited about the product, Right. And it's, clearly more enjoyable than Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, for the most part. But so I think that, uh, you know, they talked about health insurance, and they're only giving it to the, you know, executive vice presidents or people with office jobs and stuff like that. Um, I think they were a little disingenuous about that um, because I think everyone should have it. Texting WWE to be more reflective of them being employees and stuff like that. So I'm really on board with those kind of things, and um, and I really think that the elite should have fought for ownership. And maybe I'm crazy about this, but it seems like they took as much a risk as you know uh, the Khan family did. Mm -hmm. And if this doesn't work out, you know, I I I really think that they should have fought the Bucks, uh, Cody. And Omega really should have fought for a percentage of ownership. Am I am I wrong in this thinking or
0: no, not at all. I mean, and I you know, there's nothing to suggest that they didn't try to fight for things like that. Um, but you know, you can't put a a company together with this type of, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, I don't know, volume of talent and uh, production without the person putting the money into it. And without Tony Khan, like he really was the essential part of this puzzle. So I think ultimately he would have final say about who gets ownership and who doesn't. And if your talent, I would assume if I'm, I mean, you know, from what we, we, we hear, they received great offers from the WWE, but they were more enticed by this. I would say probably from a combination of like, um, investment perspective, like, or maybe this will ultimately work into a role that might ultimately be more lucrative than what they would make in the WWE. But also I would say from a creative and, and, uh, just, a I don't know, uh, personal fulfillment standpoint, I think this might offer more than what they would have uh, under, under under the jurisdiction of somebody else, creating storylines for them, writing, telling the style of matches that they have to wrestle. So it's it's factors like that, but I also wouldn't doubt that they didn't try to fight for ownership either, at least to start.
4: Yeah, I just think um, with, you know, they had the show The Being Deal all out show that they, clearly they're a draw, right? I mean, yes.
1: that's
4: not even uh, arguable at this point. So, I mean, I, it almost, I, I, I know you have a billionaire owner in, uh, in shotgun almost bought the Rams when they're in St. Louis. So we're familiar with them here. Um, it just seems like that would, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, like you said, maybe we don't know what happened behind the scenes, but it certainly seems like it seems disappointing that they didn't get those things for more people, I guess, from my point of view. Hmm it's really like their their hardcore push before the you know before the brand started and they kind of laid everything out you know and when Tony Khan was asked about it he's like well you know Moxley has insurance through his wife he probably has a SAG card too because he made that awful WWE film um, and that my uh, have incredible insurance you know right. that come with it when you pay your you know your dues or whatever it is so it i don't know i like the show from what i've seen of it I don't – I'm more of an NXT guy. I like the old-school throwback. And I really wish Wrestling at the Chase was on the WWE Network because, man, that was a hell of a show when it was on here locally, you know, on
0: Channel 11 at, like, 11 o'clock at night. Actually, I believe it's on – it might be on GCW or or Impact Plus, Wrestling at the Chase. Yeah,
2: because WWE doesn't own those. Yeah,
0: so – if you really wanted to see that. Yeah. Hey, thank you very much for your call. We got to get to these numbers. And uh, thank you to everybody for trying to call oh, in. You. We appreciate it. Uh, sorry we couldn't uh, make more time. Uh, please call back in next week.
2: All right. So last night we had uh, AEW doing a 1,014,000 viewers, which is down 4,000 viewers from last week. So very tiny drop. 4,000. But, I mean, if you include the True TV, then how much uh, last week that's not including true tv
0: right so if we included true tv how much of a drop is this uh
2: then that would be a drop because it did 122,000 on true tv so a bigger drop if you include uh both of those um nxt nxt did 714,000 viewers down from 790 last week among people 18 to 49 this week aw did a 0. .44 nxt did a 0. .20 that's compared to a 0. .46 and 0. .22 respectively last week so um a larger drop for nxt if you don't include the true tv numbers from last week but both uh down varying degrees from last week yeah down so a, a
0: continued decrease for for both shows uh including in in 18 to 49 so you know what do you make of that do you think that there's an initial interest that's kind of been waning do you think that they're doing not a good enough job of retaining people that are giving it a
2: shot i i would say it's not um a gigantic disappointment but a moderate one for aew given the sense that this was chris jericho wrestling on tv for a promoted title match that you had all week and for both shows we had no baseball competition last night because the game got moved to tonight um the yankees game so therefore i would have hoped that you would have seen a bit of a bump for both shows uh without that sports competition and instead it was a moderate drop for each
0: right um
2: uh-huh. So those are your viewership figures. Um, We also have uh, just some quick news and notes before we get out of here. Um, SmackDown, they have announced Shinsuke Nakamura defending the intercontinental title against Roman Reigns will be taking place tomorrow night from Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I heard from someone that you can expect some SmackDown matches to be promoted on tonight's Thursday night football broadcast, Um, which is a great crossover that you have hmm. with, with with Fox and that might be something that they're doing more of. So, um there will be some matches promoted on tonight's broadcast. Um we also have uh Luchasaurus that we mentioned he's got a hamstring injury and apparently he injured it 2 hours before the show and Marco Stunt had been brought in to do a dark match and end, uh, ended up getting inserted into the match. So, um, not sure what the timetable is going to look like for uh, Luchasaurus, but unfortunate and happening right ahead of showtime. That is crazy. Uh, let's go to one quick,
0: uh, one more phone call while we can still fit it in before the uh, to- uh, bottom of the hour. Boyd, what's on your mind?
5: Hey guys, how are you doing?
0: Very well. Qu- very quickly, Boyd, what's up?
5: Uh, Just a quick one, Um, I just wondered what you thought on the AEW guys having a pay-per-view every quarter, um, or every three months or so, as opposed to WWE every month, Um, I kind of think it'll help and build storylines a bit slower, um, rather than seeming to rush from one story month to month, Um, so I just wondered what your thoughts were on that. Thank you, Boyd. I
0: think it's a definite benefit, you know, especially when you're starting out, Better to, you know, uh, like we've seen it work for NXT, you know, the intermittent takeovers. I, I feel like the quality of takeovers, if they were to occur every single month, would drastically decrease. So it gives us time to, you know, uh, get ready for it. it. Gives them plenty of TV time to get people established. I would say full gear. Seems to be, you know, uh, they're putting a good amount of TV time towards it, and I don't think you really need to peak the next one for several more months. So I think quarterly is a great schedule right now.
2: Yeah, and it it does force you into some long term booking as opposed to four week cycles that you're immediately going back to that that well. Quickly. And these are
0: expensive pay per views. They're not. It's not a ten dollar a month deal that they're doing. So I think for for the pocket, but uh, for for the wallets of a lot of the fans, it's it's good as well. All
2: right, that's going to wrap things up. uh, Packed edition of the Cafe Hangout. A big thank you to Corey Erdman for joining us earlier today. All of your phone calls, we appreciate appreciate it greatly. We'll be back on Friday night. All members of the Post Wrestling Cafe will get Rewind to SmackDown Friday night. And then, new Rocky Maya via picture show dropping Saturday. British Wrestling Experience. British Wrestling Experience drops tomorrow. New day to look forward to that. Bi-weekly show on the site. And then Sunday night, Bound for Glory review with myself and Nate Milton. Yeah. Bye. That's it. it. We're out. We're out of time. We gotta go. Goodbye.